Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. What up, everybody? Welcome back to Fresh Hop Cinema, episode 111 of a podcast about craft beer and film. As always, my name is Max Minardi. My name is Johnny Summers, and I'm sick as hell. Johnny is sick. It is uh, beginning-ish of February 2019, and I got sick in December, and now Johnny's sick. And it's just, you know, it's around my, and around we go. It's my turn. Uh, if you're sick, sorry about that, but thanks for listening. <laughs> We're here to guide you through to your wellness, Yeah, I suppose. All right. Sure. <laughs> this podcast is a cure for wellness. Yes. I was going to try to make tie that in, no, but I couldn't but I couldn't then, do it. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. make sense. Uh, we are a three-part podcast. We cover two craft beers and one movie every single week. This week, we are covering a film called If Beale Street Could Talk. And if you haven't had a chance to see it yet, we're not going to spoil it till the very end of our show, and we'll give you plenty of heads up. Um, but if you do uh, want to see it, make sure you go see it and then come back and revisit that portion of the show that we call The Danger Zone and uh, get dangerous with us. That's right. So, immediately speaking, we're going to jump into our first beer. Johnny picked this out. It's a collaboration beer from Belching Beaver and Coronado, both out of Southern California. So, Mr. Johnny Summers, take it away. Yes. This beer is called Tooth and Tail because Coronado's thing is a mermaid and Belching Beaver's thing is a beaver. Beavers have teeth. So I get it. Yeah. See what they did there? (laughs) This is a New England-style IPA. It is double dry hopped. And it is clocking in at 6.6%. Picked it up for about 4 bucks a 16-ounce can at Spike's Bottle Shop here in town. What they say online about it. They say that it's a double dry hopped hazy IPA. They doubled their dry hopping regimen to create a layering of flavors that showcases the individual hop characteristics. So we've got Mosaic, Idaho 7, Citra, and Motueka. Yeah, that's what I would have said. Hops, and they round out this silky smooth beer with notes of melon, pineapple, and citrus. Dope. Have you tried it yet? No, I haven't yet. I'm about to pour myself some, but I noticed you had a little bit. It looks hazy. How does it how does it taste compared to what you just said? Um, it's kind of like an aggressive beer. Is that right? Yeah. It I'm, does not look that way at all. Not like aggressive bad, but just like packed with flavor. Sure. Uh, all of my reviews should come with an asterisk too. Yeah, that I, fair. I can my taster might be a little off. Like it feels like I'm tasting it fine, but I who's to say? Yeah. You know? I feel like the usually the, the case is when you're sick, you taste less things. So yeah. the fact that you're coming up like it's it's a strong a lot of flavors here. I feel like maybe you have a stronger palate than most when you are sick. Maybe. Or maybe, maybe I'm maybe, I think yeah. I'm on the tail end of being sick yeah, too. This fair. is like day six. Uh like day one, two, three, I felt like garbage, but now I'm feeling good. So um, okay, yeah. Here's here's what I would have predicted real quick. Did mm-hmm. I cut you off? Were you talking? Or were you going to say something else? It's gone now. The moment's okay. gone. <laughs> uh, if I had tried this before you tasted it, I would have guessed that you wouldn't like this. Yeah. Because this is a very traditional Northeast IPA. Um, oh. Lots of fruitiness, lots of sweetness, not a whole lot of hop bite to it. And I really love that in one of these beers. But it's got a ton of the hop flavor. It's not mm-hmm. a, a juice bomb. It doesn't taste like super sugary orange juice. That's true. It's got, you can taste the hops right up front. And that's because yeah. of the double dry hopping where you just get that massive attack of hops but you don't get a lot of the the bitterness just because oh. of the style okay so it's like all the delicious flavorful parts of the hops without any of that annoying bitterness right which, quote unquote annoying quote unquote I yeah, yeah i made a funny yeah. motion when i said that because i enjoy that i took that you kind of like jiggled your yeah, arms in there i meant i thought that meant quote unquote that's how i air quote yeah i, I <laughs> do the chunk <laughs> the truffle shuffle yeah yeah um i like this beer though it's it's unique it's definitely 
got a lot of character. I really, I think I like it. It's okay. It's robust, man. It really is a, a mouthful. This beer doesn't strike me as unique. Um, I would call this beer very drinkable, very mm-hmm. delicious, and very forgettable. Mm. In not a terribly bad way. I think it's a good representation of uh, sort of the bar line for the style. Yeah. I like it as well. Uh, not crazy to me. Just pretty solid New England IPA. Yeah, I think if you if you get one of these beers that's average or above average, it just gets kind of lumped into a very large swimming pool full of hazy beers. Agreed. So I don't think there's a lot of this style that stand out for me. Like... I was at a bottle share last night and I had maybe three or four different hazy beers and I couldn't tell you the name of one of them. Yeah. I'm sure you knew them too at the time. Like, oh, yeah. cool. Set it out loud and, and then f- set it and forget it. Mm-hmm. And if you follow us on Untapped, you'll know what some of those are. Cool. Uh, did you already give the uh, overall rating on this beer from Untapped? Uh, no. Because uh, I looked it up. There's only about 386 ratings uh, and it averages about 4.02. It seems high. Yeah, a little bit, but it also seems like not crazy. Like I, I could see how this is like a 3.5 to 4 beer for mm-hmm. me. Well, um, but they're going out of 5, not 10. But yeah, totally. So 4 is like a 9. It's like an 8. But yeah. yeah. But yeah, like I feel like like a 6 to 8 range is mm-hmm. probably what I'm going to end up yeah. in this one anyways. Um, in fact, that seems a good enough time as any. I'm going to give this a 7. Yeah. Nah, I'm going to give it a 6.5. It's totally good. It's very good, but we have so many good beers that we got to try. Um, I actually listened back to an episode that we did Um I was trying to find, I can't remember what I was, oh, I was uh, looking for a danger zone note that I took a long time ago. Um, and we talked about how you and I both have kind of this middle range where I will say like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And you'll say like, eh, it's good. Like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and how those are essentially the same uh, rating for us. We just, we're trying to put a number on what it's <laughs> fine is. Yeah. And it's like a six ish. It's like a five to six and a half to maybe seven. Anything above a seven starts getting good, like pretty good. And yeah. like eight and above are very good. So you just have to apply a numerical value exactly. to just to our, mediocrity. Yeah. Um, so I think this is this is fine. It's a very solid New England IPA. I'm going to give it a 6.5. I'm going to give it a 7.2. Okay. Uh, it's a little bit better than most of the beers of this style. Uh, I do enjoy the fact that it's double dry hopped. You get a bit more of what I am looking for in a beer, um, especially in this style. If I do go for a hazy, I want it to be like a double. And if it's double dry hopped, that's even better. Um, By and large, the double dry hopped New England style are the ones that I prefer. Yeah. So this would be preferable to like a single IPA or single hopped hazy. So I like it. It's, It's drinkable. It's crushable. I agree with Max. It's kind of forgettable. Yeah. Uh, but it's definitely worth drinking, and at four bucks a can, I think it's a good value. Um, it's it's a unique beer, and if you're a fan of either of these breweries, I'd say you should try it. It's, yeah, we should also point out it's a pint can, uh, mm-hmm. not a twelve ounce. So you're I getting said that. Oh, did you say that? Yeah, my beginning. Uh, yeah, pretty good value, like you're saying. I I'm into this. I would drink it again happily. Yeah. Um, but given a whole lineup again, I might try something new because yeah. to just you know change it up. Yeah, but it, it is it is solid. Yes, agreed. So not a great beer, not a bad beer. Yeah. It's fine. A good beer. Uh, once again, that's Tooth and Tail. It's a collaboration between Belching Beaver and Coronado. Uh, let's move right along, shall we? Yeah. We have one order of business to address from last week's episode. We talked about Green Book, the film. Yeah. Um, we had very different opinions on it, and we got so caught up in our differing opinions, we forgot to rate it. Um, so if you've never heard our show before, <laughs> like we, we rate everything we do, and, and none of it is like we're not really technically qualified, but we enjoyed doing it. Yeah. Um. So all that take with a grain of salt, but we should go back. If you haven't heard that conversation, I thought it was a really good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, go back and listen to it. And then you'll be like, what? They didn't rate it. And then come back here 
and you'll be right where you are because you just paused the podcast and now you're back. And I'm going to give Green Book overall three out of 10. Why would they pause this podcast? Well, to go back and listen to the conversation about Green Book. Because oh, okay. listening to another, oh, I didn't hear that. I'm going to go back. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to give that movie a three out of 10. I did not like it. I thought it was very bad. I did like Mahershala Ali and to some extent Viggo Mortensen's acting. Okay. And his dad bod. <laughs> That's where I was at with that movie. All right. Uh, it's an eight for me. Okay. Yeah. All right. I like that movie a lot. And okay. I still do. Okay. Go listen to our conversation. We're not going to open that can of worms again right no. now. Um, what we are going to do is jump into flick picks. That's where we, uh, we talk about a movie we've seen this week. Um, especially because this time of year, we're talking about a lot of Oscar movies and we don't have time in our lives to fit all of them into their own episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and this particular movie that I have this week has not actually been nominated for any Oscars, but it was on my radar for a long time and I wanted to see it before I knew it was not nominated. So I just going to talk about it anyways. And that's right. a film called Stan and Ollie. It was directed by John S. Baird, who also did a film called Filth in 2013, written by Jeff Pope. And it kind of tells this story of Laurel and Hardy. They're a, a famous uh, comedy duo from back in the early 30s uh, to all the way to like the late 50s and probably before that. That timeline's not completely correct. But Steve Coogan plays Stan Laurel. John C. Riley plays Oliver Hardy. Um, and the movie kind of details their sort of uh, towards the end of their career. They're going on one final sort of tour to ideally fund or get exposure for funding for this movie. They want to do the spoof on Robin hood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw this in Reno uh, earlier this week and I, I really liked it. Yeah. It was a very heartwarming feel good movie. Um, and just more Testament to how I feel about John C. Riley lately. Okay. Uh, he's just taken leaps and bounds in terms of acting in the he, movies he's put out, especially this year, like sisters brothers was a big one. Yeah. He's uh, on a Netflix original right now too, with uh, nuns and he's like a priest and I can't oh, tell yeah, if yeah. it's serious or yeah. if it's a comedy, um, but it looks interesting, but yeah, he's been taking some chances with his career and I, I like the direction he's going in. Yeah. Same. Um, I'm going to grab my phone across the room cause I took some notes in it and I just remembered that's where that is. Um, do, it. do you have any questions about this movie? I do. Uh, I thought it looked interesting. I really liked the the prosthetics. Did you buy those? Like, were they yes believable? Yeah, I mean, like for the most part, it's John C. Riley who is in sort of this very, um, very emphasized fat suit and a lot of prosthetics on his face. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say overall, yes, I did. There's moments where I was like, okay, that's. I mean, it doesn't. You can see that it's John C. Riley every now and again. You kind of break through the facade, but for the most part, yeah, he was completely immersed in that character. I think it was really well done. Okay. Perfect. Uh, what were your standout performances who really shined in that movie? Well, I should point out also at this point, there, there are two, um, there's a wife and a girlfriend essentially in this mix as well. Um, Nina Arianda, I believe is her name. That's a cool name. Yeah. Plays Ida or Ida, maybe, uh, Ida Kateva. She is, uh, Stan Laurel, Steve Coogan's, uh, girlfriend. And then Shirley Henderson, who played Moaning Myrtle in the Harry Potter series, nice. which if you've ever heard her voice, that's the voice. <laughs> you, you can't, can't miss that. Uh, she plays Lucille Hardy, uh, Ollie's, Ollie's wife. And, those two are very funny together. They, they're they not by any stretch of the imagination kind of the main part of this movie, but every time they're on screen, they're just so funny. Um, and I, I would al- almost argue they're almost as funny as uh, Stan and Ollie, who are also very funny. Nice. Um, this movie is obviously about the two of them, and as a historical comedy duo, um, it's hard to, to not see them as good performances unless they're terrible. But yeah. since I don't think that, I think those are the standout ones in this, in this movie. I think... Um, I think they both, this could have easily gone as like a slapstick, no stakes kind of movie, but the way that they deal with their interpersonal friendship, um, brings a lot of humanness to it, humanity to it, I suppose. Okay. Um, and I thought that was, that was part of the strength of both of their performances. They both carry sort of the, the burden that they're dealing with very well. Nice. 
Sounds interesting, man. Yeah. Uh, I have not seen it, but it does look interesting. So based on what you've said, I can assume you would recommend checking this movie out. Yeah, definitely, man. I think it's, it's going to be worth your time for sure. Um, there's, uh, there's, I mean, there's arguments to not see it because there are, especially this time of year, like there's so much out that you could see, but this is a feel good movie. It's really nice. Um, I wrote in my notes here, uh, I said, this is warm and glowing and heartfelt. Um, it's bubbling with a nostalgia and love for a time that most of its viewers have never known. Nice. Uh, and it works. Like, I, I, I don't know. I was never big on, um, cause I mostly didn't grow up with them, but I haven't explored too much like the silent film into kind of the modernizing a film in the forties. I didn't explore that, that genre very much. Um, but still like the, the movie opens with this like five minute tracking shot through this 1930s Hollywood set. And it's so magical. It's like, there's something about seeing the inner workings of Hollywood and movie sets. It's just really fun. Kind of like that behind the scenes look. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but it's so much more magical in this. And I, I think that kind of, um, that kind of aesthetic that is established early on just carries out throughout the entire movie and lets you know what you're in for. And it's wonderful. Nice. Yeah. It's uh it's very, very much well worth checking out. I wanted to scan this one more time. Oh yeah. There's a brilliant use of mirrors in the movie. Okay. Um, one of the first times they sit down there in a green room and the camera is kind of shooting them both from behind. Uh, it's in the center and each of them are off to the left and right. And then in the mirror, uh, the two mirrors in front of them at like their little makeup stations, you see the face of the other person. So it's almost like they're talking across each other. Um, and mirrors keep coming up in this movie. Talk, it seems to be like when they're describing their fantasies or their dreams or you know, like mirrors are kind of this window into what they could have been or what they want to be, mm. uh, depending on when in the movie, there's a lot of flashbacks in this movie. Okay. Um, but I thought that was brilliant too. And it was kind of an artistic take that I wasn't expecting on getting out of a movie like this, right? Uh, just on face value. So I think there's a lot to be gleaned from this, both um, just entertainment value wise and production wise. It's, it's a worthwhile movie. Excellent. Stan Excellent. and Ollie. Nice. Um, this is the first time we've done what we're about to do. Do you want to give a preface for, for kind of the list that you're, you and I are going to be taking on or you just want to dive in? Yeah. I'm going to tell you what we're doing and I'm gonna tell you why I wanted to do it. Perfect. I want to be better at doing this. Sure. I want to be better at watching movies and understanding them and learning and learning about critics and criticism of movies. And (laughs) I think we should say we on that, like, um, we, yeah, Excuse we're, me. you're fine. We both, we both are that way. Like we're both actively trying to pursue, uh, uh, more critically watching movies and understanding and, and enjoying obviously is the number one, but yeah, it's, it's a lot more fun to actually be able to formulate an opinion and, and eloquently say it as sure. opposed to just being like, yeah, it's a good, good movie. movie. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. good. Sure. Go watch it. <laughs> um, so I decided a while back that I wanted to, well, it started because so many movies you haven't seen elicit a physical response from people that are like, what Mm -hmm. you haven't seen that. Yeah. And I'm realizing that there's a lot of movies that either classic or contemporary, uh, that I've just kind of missed. I mean, it's easy to let movies fall through the cracks. And, uh, I took movies pretty seriously before we started this podcast, but they weren't like an all consuming factor in my life. Like they are now. Right. (laughs) So I wanted to go back and start watching some of the classics, the ones that elicit those visceral responses right so i went to imdb and pulled up their list of the great top 100 greatest movies of all time that's a that's a bold list to make and there's lots of these lists on the internet but imdb is sort of a um obviously respected mm-hmm. sort of movie platform yeah and a lot of the lists i looked at i looked at some rotten tomatoes stuff like that they all kind of just had the same top 100 roughly but just in slightly different order right 
So I figured, why not go with IMDb? Just start there, and that is not the one I'm going. On, I was gonna but. say, sorry to to no, distract good. you there, but yeah. Uh, he pulled up a list on the screen and it had, what was the second movie? <laughs> oh, this on is, there? this is a user list. I would, it, so the first one's the Godfather. I was like, okay, maybe. And then it was Lord of the Rings return of the King followed immediately by the uh, fellowship, which I, I would make an argument for, but someone okay. has some strong feelings. Yeah. So anyways, the list I was going off of, <clears throat> yeah, that's the one by Chris. Nobody, yeah. Walkie, Nobody knows what you're looking at. Yeah. The, uh, we're looking at the user list on yeah. IMDb. That I will, we should like tweet that out or something. Yeah, we'll um, post a link. But, but I think it's maybe worth noting that I think this is just a, a user list. Yes, but I like that user list. Right. I just picked one. Sure. I think if IMDb has an official one, maybe we should go off that. Probably. But anyways, I started scrolling, and the first movie that I hadn't seen, should we just go through the top three? Sure. Yeah. So the, the top three, according to this list, are The Godfather, The Shawshank Redemption, Schindler's List, and fourth is Raging Bull. Right. And I had never seen Raging Bull, and I've always heard it, you know, bandied about as being a, a classic movie. And so I figured, screw it. Let's start this classic to, you know, this fancy, famous movie adventure with Raging Bull. The 1980, let's say, drama sure. from Martin Scorsese starring Robert De Niro. Yeah. So that's what I watched. That's my flick pick this week. And that was a long build up just to say that I watched Raging. No, that's good. I think I like the direction we're going. Um, tackling kind of more of these, kind of what I was saying. Like, I don't have a whole lot of experience digging into um, certainly 30s and 40s movies, but even some of these, like there's plenty of movies from 1980 that I haven't seen. And yeah. some of them are classics. And like mm -hmm. this one uh, was uh, won two Oscars. It was nominated for eight that year. Um, and I've never seen it. I couldn't have even told you who was in it or who directed it until this very conversation. And I know I've heard Raging Bull. People should watch it. If you like movies, you should see Raging Bull. And there's there's so many movies that I need to see. Mm -hmm. um, so I think this is very good. Yeah, it's a fun, fun way to connect with the past and look at movies where they were then. And a lot of times you watch old movies like this and you see how it's influenced cinema today. Sure. And it's funny. I was actually having a conversation about this movie with, a friend of mine, Andy, that works at SNS. Mm. Shout out, sure. With the good beer. But he was saying he like they watched this movie, Raging Bull, uh, in a I want to say it was ethics class or something like that in college, mm -hmm. and they had a discussion afterwards about it uh, as to the roles of sex, sex and sexuality and culture. It was, was that a big theme in this movie? That uh, a bit, yeah, yeah, pretty much enough to talk about in an ethics class. Mm -hmm. I suppose. Yeah, so I really, really hated this movie. As Is that as, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, the first initial gut response was okay. this movie is a steaming pile of, wow. I'm mad at it. Okay. Like, it, just because it really did bring out, like, a strong emotional response. It was- uh, What was the emotional response you It got? was just, like, I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't a fun time. <laughs> it was, like, it was entertaining, but also it was um, a really deep dive into a character that is not admirable, oh, admirable yeah. or- yeah likable so it was not what i expected you hear robert de niro starring in a boxing movie you don't think it's gonna be like dark right um so this is like a prime example and it really reiterated in my mind why i want to do this list because yeah. i did not understand this movie like i hated it huh. and then i read about it and i read some reviews particularly one from roger ebert yeah that really shed light on this, the subcontext and the depth of this movie and the, the depth at which they were playing as far as with the elements that they were, um, like metaphors they were using mm. and stuff like that. I really, I just didn't understand it. 
So the more I read about it, the more I actually enjoyed the movie. And upon learning about it and, and further reflection, I think I do really like it. And I right. see how it's an American classic. Yeah. Did it feel very much like a Scorsese film to you? In, in moments. Yeah. Yeah. I know he can have a very, um, very specific aesthetic to his direction a lot mm-hmm. of the time. Um, but yeah, I was going to say, so Jake LaMotta is the, uh, is the boxer that De Niro is portraying here. Mm-hmm. I was just reading this on his bio. He passed away in 2017, but he was born in 1922. Uh, and he had over 110 fights, Yeah, uh, which doesn't add up to me. Like, he lived to be almost a hundred and just got hit in the face for a couple decades. Pretty hard. Probably. Yeah. Uh, he says he only ever knocked to the ground once. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. Huh? And they, they definitely touched on that in the movie. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a really, really crazy movie. I mean, you definitely have to take it with a grain of salt. Uh, the, the whole idea that the, of the movie is that he's a middleweight boxer and his, he's just solely focused on winning this championship. And it really, it's how it affects his life outside the ring is kind right. of the main focus of the movie. More so than the boxing? Yes. Oh, interesting. The boxing was like a side note. Mm-hmm. Um, and the 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 principle that was really played on was, I was reading the Roger Ebert interview, and it's called, I think Freud called it the Madonna whore complex. Okay. Or is it complex I, the right word? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it yeah. definitely would be. What is it? I can check it out for you. Uh, I am actually just going to pull up the review Got it right here. Sure. And I'm going to quote Roger Ebert for a minute. Uh, Freud called it the Madonna whore complex. Groucho Marx put it somewhat differently. I won't belong to any club that would have me as a member. It it amounts to a man having such low self-esteem that he, A, cannot respect a woman who would sleep with him, and B, is convinced that given the choice, she would rather be sleeping with someone else. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. So that's basically summing up how Raging Bull, they equate, it equates violence and sexuality a lot. It was really dark and a lot of abuse. Very yeah. intense. Uh, definitely yeah. not what I was expecting. And it definitely, when it was over, it left me like, oh. Yeah. So there's there's two groups of people I'd like to know your recommendation. Um, the average day-to-day movie watcher, do you think they should watch this movie? Um, Not necessarily. Okay. I think this is one... Maybe if you have a little bit more information, and the only information I would say if you're an average movie watcher that wants to check this out is it's not a feel-good story, right? and it's uh, a character study of a dark individual that had a really troubled life. So uh, maybe. Yeah. I would say 50-50. And then the depend- other, yeah. Depends on what you're going for. Right. Uh, the other group of people, obviously, is moviegoers and yes. cinephiles, and I've assumed, yeah. 100%. Sure. Yeah. Uh, if you are either of those groups and want to check this movie out, it's available on Amazon Prime. If you have the subscription, you can also rent it from Amazon or iTunes or other places where movies are. Mm-hmm. That's Raging Bull. Yeah, in a shell of nuts. It was an adventure, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch that this week. I didn't realize it was on Amazon Prime. Yeah, that's. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a note to myself to check that out because it sounds like something I'd be into. Yeah, it was, it was rough around the edges, but it was really fascinating seeing De Niro, De Niro sink into a character that was so dark. Yeah. And like you think he's overacting like almost the character wise, but then you realize it's almost like underacting because this character is just so simple. Hmm. Um, The last line of Ebert's review really was awesome. Hit me. He's an engine driven by his own rage. The equation between his pride fighting and sexuality is inescapable, and we see the trap that he's in. Lamada is the victim of base needs and instincts that, in his case, are not accompanied by the insights and maturity necessary for him to cope with them. The raging bull, the poor sap. Sure. So I thought that was an interesting 
analogy yeah. with just the title of the sure. movie, A yeah. Raging Bull. Makes sense. Like, no sense. Nope, no just, wits. Just out for blood, just going on instinct. Yeah. It's so, rough. Yeah. It's a really fascinating character, and I can see how it became a keynote in Robert De Niro's career. So, yeah. Check out Raging Bull. Uh, if you do get a chance to do that, or you have drank Tooth and Tail, or you've seen Stan and Ollie, and you want to let us know what you think, we would love that. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram at Fresh Hop Cinema. When we come back from this break, we're going to dive into If Beale Street Could Talk. And again, you don't have to worry about spoilers just yet. Uh, we're just going to tell you about what we thought uh, during our viewing experiences, respectively, at the Pageant Theater here in Chico. So come right back. What's up, everybody? If you've never heard the show before, here's some news for you. You need to go down to the Handlebar in Chico. It's at 2070 East 20th Street, right by Best Buy, right by Winco, right by everything you need. You're out shopping. Uh-oh, you're hungry. You're thirsty. Go down to the Handlebar. They have a special deal. That's right. Seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m., you're going to get a dollar off any of their delicious draft beers. You cannot beat a bargain like that. It's a great location. They have delicious food. It's right next to all your shopping if you need something from Winco or Best Buy. And if you needed any other reason, they support this podcast. So go check them out. Again, that's the Handlebar right here in Chico, 2070 East 20th Street. Happy hour, seven days a week, 2 to 6 p.m. Get on down there. In the early 1970s, Harlem, daughter and wife-to-be Tish, vividly recalls the passion, respect, and trust that have connected her and her fiancé, Alonzo Hunt, who goes by the nickname Fonny. Friends since childhood, the devoted couple dream of a future together, but their plans are derailed when Fonny is arrested for a crime he did not commit. That's the description for a film called If Beale Street Could Talk. This was directed and adapted for the screen by Barry Jenkins, director of Moonlight. This was based on a novel by James Baldwin starring Kiki Lane uh, as Tish Rivers. Stefan James as Alonzo Fonny Hunt. Regina King plays Tish's mother, Sharon Rivers. Coleman Domingo plays Joseph Rivers, her father. And Michael Beach plays Stefan's dad, Frank. 
Johnny Summers. Yes. You've seen this. I've uh-huh. seen this. Uh, you saw it at the pageant, as did I. Mm-hmm. Um, before I ask you your opinion, I wanted to mention that this came out on December 14th, 2018 in limited release. To my knowledge, it hasn't seen uh, widescreen mainstream cinemas mm-hmm. yet, and maybe never will. It's a very small kind of movie. It's an indie flick. It's rated R. It runs just under two hours long. And as of February 6th, it's made about $13.4 million. It has also been nominated for three Academy Awards, uh, including Best Supporting Actress for Regina King, Best Original Music Score, Nicholas Bertel, and obviously Best Adapted Screenplay from Barry Jenkins. So what do you think of this? I think it should be nominated for Best Picture. I can't believe it's not nominated for Best Picture. It upsets me. Uh, We should absolutely get into that. And maybe uh, I'm going to talk about how, again, I hadn't seen this last week when we talked about Green Book, but the fact that like Green Book's up there and this isn't seems incorrect to me. I'm, you know, as an advocate of Green Book, sure. I'm going to agree with that. <laughs> this would be a more uh, deserving candidate. Yeah, but Oscar, Oscar, uh, anger aside, what do you think about this movie in general? It was a victory. It was a beautiful piece of art, film, whatever you want to call it. It was absolutely amazing. I really, 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 really liked it. I did too, man. I'm I'm going to try to figure out how we can have a, a productive conversation here that's not just like affirming each other's thoughts. Like, you liked it. I loved it. Here's what I, and then we're just going to go back and forth because I think we liked a lot of the same things. Yeah. Which is most things in this movie. Yeah. Well, I'll start and then you just say different stuff Perfect. that you liked about it and Deal. we'll stroke this movie and we'll take a break. Cool. <laughs> uh, I loved this movie for the characters and the the way that the story progressed and the way that we all kind of just fell in love with the two main characters. And I felt like I knew them by the end of the movie. And I like, they had such nuance. I mean, I don't know where Kiki Lane's been hiding. Yeah. But I should have been in movies. I looked her up and like, I hadn't, she looked so familiar to me. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't seen anything she's done. I don't know where I was getting at. Um, I think she looked a little bit like, uh, Tandy Newton from Westworld Maeve. Mm. Uh, there was like a couple of shots. I was like, is that like her daughter or something? Mm. But no, I didn't. I've not seen Kiki Lane and no. she's fantastic. Yes. But yeah, I mean, he really, Barry Jenkins did it again. You know, yeah. he hit that, that iron that just was glowing red, like moonlight and just achieved an amazing film. I think this should be getting more critical acclaim and I think it should be nominated for best picture. But uh, that's the first thing in my notes is this, the story and the characters. It was you know, driven by the story of these two young people that are in love and are making mistakes and being people and just trying to navigate the world. And it was such an endearing story. I mean, I was seriously, I felt attached to both of them by the time the movie was over, maybe even like halfway through. Yeah. I want to point out some jealousy that I have. Like you've just seen Moonlight recently. Mm -hmm. The rest of us have had to wait a year Mm. to see another Barry Jenkins kind of masterpiece and sort of a immersive experience. You've you've got a two in one month. That's great, man. Um, what else you got in your notes or do you want me to chat? Whatever you want to do. Um, I really liked the, the dynamic of the family, yeah, which family? Um, <laughs> cause I feel like that's probably important. The rivers. Yeah. Tisha's family. Yeah. The, the main actress yeah. in this film. Yeah. Uh, there is another family that I'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. We should say that at the danger zone. I think we both have. Yeah. There's another family. Uh, yeah. What's his name? Uh, the hunt family. Yes. Fonny's funny hunts. Yeah. Yeah. His family, not so cool. The worst. Particularly his mom and sisters. Yeah. Dad seems Dad, all, right. all right. Yeah. Questionable character, but sure. better than do mom. What you gotta do. Yeah. Uh, but no, the the way that Tish Rivers' family was written, um, his, her mom and her dad and her sister were just written amazingly. They were just this loving, supporting, caring family. 
and just the way they reacted to the news of her pregnancy. That's not really a spoiler. It's in the sure. first yeah, v- sure. very preliminary movie, uh, parts of the movie. Um, just the way they reacted to that was so nice and loving and mm-hmm. supportive. And it was, you know, you don't want to say like you're feeding into stereotypes, but I wasn't sure how that conversation was going to go. Right. Not just because of like a racial element, just because a teen daughter getting pregnant can elicit anger from a dad, no matter what race it's all. Yeah. It's worth pointing out. This is the sixties. Um, right. I'm right. Chipping the fifties. You read it, man. Seventies, seventies. I'm sorry. Yeah. This is the seventies. Um, and, and there's a bit more stigma attached to the fact that these two aren't married. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's something that's set up pretty early. I think there's a monologue by Tish that says like, um, when I was, became pregnant, like it wasn't as big a deal to me as it was to Fani. Like we'd learned that his parents are a little bit more strict, but hers have some of that also. Um, and Jenkins does a really good job of like when they do set that scene for that initial conversation, they pull out the, the whiskey or whatever. Mm-hmm. The mom does. Yeah. She knows. Right. And you don't really pick up on like how the family's feeling. Her sister's very shut off and quiet and listening. Her dad's kind of just in himself, kind of mm-hmm. like in his own bubble. So I think I, there was a lot of tension built up there. And then the fact that it does kind of go like it does is so nice and so heartwarming. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And it was, it was kind of a model of what you'd want out of your own family yeah. if you were in that situation. And it was just so... It felt genuine. I mean, the acting was amazing. The man that played her father, um, what's his name? Where'd he go? Uh, Tisha's dad? Yeah. Uh, Coleman Domingo. Coleman Domingo. He was amazing. Yeah. He was so expressive and it just had this lovely voice. Like, I really like that dude as an yeah. actor. He's got like a real calming presence. About yeah. Him. It was, like, it was I want great. him to read me audiobooks. Yeah. Yeah. But so I loved that element of her family throughout this movie uh, in the various phases of her pregnancy and just all the support and the love and the way that they were written and their interactions together. And in some cases when they stand up for each other and the links that they go to help each other is very, very cool, very inspiring, very, you know, you do what you have to do to take care of your family. And it was really exemplified in this movie. I like that quite a bit. What did you like? What else? Give well, me something. So yeah, so I liked all the stuff you said. I might I might veer towards the more technical stuff at this point because I think what you said is all very accurate in terms of characters and and um, just overall feel. Um, but I mean, we both noticed the colors in this movie. Like, mm. there's there's a brilliant shot in the beginning where where Fani and Tish are walking and they're both wearing sort of the same, definitely the same colors, but in opposite situations. Like he's wearing a blue denim shirt, and she has like a yellow blouse, but underneath his blue denim is like a yellow shirt, and she has. Uh, blue pants on and there's all these like complimentary color scenes contrasting or, yeah. yeah and there's like other scenes where there's a there's a part where she's in there talking to a lawyer at one point she's got this kind of um paisley looking um shirt on and then right behind her is like wallpaper i think it was or maybe like a vase or something it was the exact same color so there's all these things that like pull the movie in and make mm. it feel like one cohesive thing i don't i don't know how else to describe it like it just felt it felt uh together it felt like it, it like had continuity month. yeah it was it was wild um yeah and i mean that's a big part of that's wardrobe and set design yeah totally and just the bare bones production of the the overall look yeah i mean this is a it's a really warm feeling movie i was like, gonna say warm there's there's not a moment in here that feels outside of i would argue and intentionally the prison stuff mm-hmm. um which does feel very sterile and sort of cold um, but everything else everything even if it's like a family arguing it's still very warm um there's there's some brilliant use of close-ups in slow motion here, and I can't remember what episode, but we talked about this uh, not super long ago. Um, where oh, it was Widows, that's what it was, mm. um, and we both felt like in Widows they really overused um, the close-ups, mm-hmm. um, like movies like Three Hundred use slow mo. It's like every two it's seconds, like, yeah. Here, um, 
the close-ups and the slow motion in conjunction work so well to portray the sense of like love that mm-hmm. Barry Jenkins has for these characters on screen. And it's just so tender. This movie, and I will fight somebody on this, has the best love scene I've ever seen, maybe. It's so tender and mm-hmm. so wonderful. And it it's it like that whole vibe, by the way, in his place uh is very notebooky to me. Like that's the the other thing I could think of that was like this um Maybe this is just my own experience with the notebook, but I really love that. I don't know. Love that movie when I was younger. Yeah. Um, but there's like a, a tenderness you felt towards those two characters and these two um, that I think that scene really uh, drives home. Mm. Uh, yeah. It's, I don't know, man. That was really great. And the soundtrack is amazing. If you heard some of that during the trailer, it's throughout the whole movie. It's like this little blanket of magic dust that falls on you while you're <laughs> watching. It's just so good. Like there's mm-hmm. these longing strings and these bright, wonderful parts that you really it guides you through the movie so well yeah um yeah i i think this was this was a very very good movie uh as well yeah i was really happy that the pageant theater was playing it and when when i was watching it there i was like stoked we're gonna do it for the show yeah because i loved it but also it was one of those movies like you ever watch a movie and think johnny's gonna love this because i did that with sure, you yeah. during this movie i was like max is gonna love this yeah. and like i can't wait to talk about it it's yeah, so good totally I'm I'm also so glad because I went to go see this in Reno when I was there this week and I went to see it on Wednesday and I showed up to the only screening I could make and the lady told me, no, we don't have that. Somebody bought out the entire theater. And I was like, no, like I've been waiting for this movie for so long and I thought I wouldn't be able to see it. Um, but then you, Johnny, graciously said that we could move our recording date one day so I could catch it when I got back home. And I am so grateful for that because this is a great movie. This is going to make probably my top 10 of the year. I, I have think. to adjust my list from 2018, but whatever. Or maybe this counts as 2019. It doesn't. I wish it could. A lot of good movies last year. Oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, I think you can put it in 2019 because it's like the year you saw it in. Yeah. I think the way that I've been doing that list is like the Oscar year, essentially. Mm. So it's like whenever they start qualifying movies, I think it's immediately after the Oscars mm-hmm. um, to the Oscars again. So like it's not technically 2018. It's like 2018 plus January and part of February. Yeah. Um. So I think this still counts as like the 2018 season. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. This is this is a very good movie. Yeah. Um, it did feel a little long to me at some points. Yeah. That's maybe my only critique. Um, no, I checked my phone to see what time it was about an hour yeah. and 20 minutes in. Yeah. I was also very hungry. I hadn't eaten all day yesterday mm. and I went to see this movie. Um, Distract, distracted by the so belly like rumbles. A little bit. And then they closed the lobby at the pageant. I was going to get some popcorn. That's not their fault necessarily. Why didn't you get popcorn before? I wasn't hungry before. I was so excited to see the movie. Mm. Forgot about my food. So you were hungry, but you were excited and forgot. Yeah. Makes sense. So, but that's maybe a testament to how excited I was for this movie. Yeah. Uh, and I'm okay with it. If it was between not eating uh, and seeing this movie or eating and not seeing it, I'm glad I saw it. I ate today. <laughs> there you go. And after the movie. So <laughs> it'll be fine. Both times. Well, I don't think we should stroke this movie's ego anymore because it knows it's awesome. Yeah. Um, Although you might not if you're listening. Maybe you've never heard of If Beale Street Could Talk. Uh, if that's the case, you probably can't see it until it comes out uh, on, on streaming or DVD. But, um, if I'm catching your vibe right now, Johnny, uh, before we go to break, mm-hmm. uh, you should definitely make a note to see this movie if you're into movies at all, or if you found yourself um, like really getting into what we were saying last week about movies that are more qualified to be in Oscar stuff uh, versus like Green Book, maybe. Do you want to talk about that before we go to break? Like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I wanted to harp just a little bit more on. I don't know. Some of the dumb best picture nominations that I feel like this could have easily been there and it wasn't. And I don't understand why it wasn't. I don't understand why you would ignore someone with 
Barry Jenkins. You don't mean me. You mean like not you yeah, personally. Sure. You, the Academy, yeah, bastards would uh, neglect this film. Yeah, with with Barry Jenkins' pedigree, and he won Best Picture with Moonlight. Maybe they're just like he won last time. He's had his chance. We'll give it. I don't know. We'll give it to Leo Mortensen. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, man. Don't I don't understand. either, and I don't understand how Vice. I was gonna bring up Vice too. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know this. I I really we don't. haven't seen Vice. We should say that. I guess that's probably worth pointing. Sure, out. we haven't seen it, but still. No, I think honestly, having seen a lot of the Best Picture nominees um, and this movie, this deserves to be among their ranks. And quite frankly, if it was, I would probably pick it to win. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's what was else was up? We just did this last week. I know Romo was up there. We had another one. Yeah, the, the favorite, Black Panther, oh, favorite, Black sure. Klansman, yeah. Green Book. This one? Uh, Vice. Again, I saw this yesterday. I'm still kind of sitting on it, so I don't want to make a call, but I'm, I'm inclined to lean where you're leaning. Yeah. 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 It's a shame. It's a it's a shame that's not nominated, but yeah. it's uh it's a winner in our book for but, sure. Yeah, and that's why we have that's why people have podcasts and blogs and stuff, so we can just talk crap about the system mm-hmm. and what should happen. Exactly. Um, when we come back from our break, we are going to spoil some things from if Beale street could talk. We're also going to drink our second and final beer of the day, which I have picked out and I'm very excited to do. Uh, so let us rate. Yeah. If Beale street could talk, please. Absolutely. Um, you go first. Cause it's I think a 9.6. Nine, I'm oh, ready. God. Okay. Please. Why not a 10? <laughs> because it did feel a little long in a couple yeah, places. That was, right you know, that's, that's the question. Why not a 10? If it, it could have been like 15 minutes shorter, probably. There was yeah. just a couple scenes that dragged that made it feel overall long. There was a particular scene at a dinner where he was having with an old friend that felt really, really long to me, and it just kind of slowed the movie down. Where he was having dinner with an old friend? Correct. He met a friend on the street. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yep. Yes, right. That scene to me slowed the movie down a little bit, but it oh, is God, such- I love that scene. It's a great scene, but it really, it altered the tempo, and it really felt like the movie stalled tempo-wise for a moment. It definitely added to the plot, and it was a great scene, uh, but it did, it bogged it down a little bit for me, but- that's really the only issues I have with it are super nitpicky. Okay. I mean, it's incredibly highly rated for me. Like, yeah, okay. Uh, I like getting into this real quick too. So I actually didn't have a problem with that scene. That didn't. That was one of uh, the better scenes to me. The stuff that kind of did keep me from giving it a ten, and I'll tell you my rating in just a moment, was like some of the Dave Franco stuff. Uh, number one, it's Dave Franco, which seemed weird to me out of the blue, but I got over that quickly. Um, I did like what they established. He's, he's essentially sort of a, he's a realtor. He is Jewish. So sort of a minority at the time, Mm -hmm. um, in New York and like they rent a place from him essentially. Um, and it's very heartwarming, but it's, uh, sort of took me out of it for a little bit. And I think given the running time and how I felt with the caveat that I was hungry and whatever, wasn't the most ideal viewing experience for a couple of reasons that I won't get into now, but, um, could have stayed out of my line of sight for a little bit. I don't think he added a whole lot. That said, the imaginary fridge thing was very funny to me. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I'm going to give it a 9.5. Okay. Yeah. Very good movie. Very worthwhile. 100%. So go see it if you can. If you are a person that's been wanting to see this for a while, we wouldn't be hurt if you decided to pause this podcast and come back in a couple months when you have seen this movie. Mm-hmm. Then again, you won't hear what we have to talk about uh, in the next segment, including this next beer which is very exciting yeah. to me, at least you hear it after the movie or before do whatever you want. Yeah. It's up to you guys. It's but if you do see cunt. this movie, yeah. Free cunt. <laughs> it's a free, what it's a free cunch. That's the worst time to cut off a sentence. <laughs> um, if you do see this or have seen it, please tweet at us or find us on Facebook or Instagram uh, at fresh hop cinema. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and we'll be right back to talk about our second beer. So stick around. 
What a fun break. What a good break we've had. It was a great break. We uh, took a nap. We went to Napa Valley. Yeah, that was also another way of saying we took a nap. Yeah. <laughs> and then we went <laughs> to Napa Valley and, for our nap. And then we went to Nepal. There you Na- go. Napa. Napa. That works. Yeah. Napa. Napa. Or Naples. Uh, we would like to officially change the list from earlier, right? Yeah. In case people are still listening about that, remember it. Timeout. Spoiler alert. Danger zone. Swearing. Blah, blah, oh, sure. blah. Sure. That's, uh, that's all happening. But okay, yes. Good. That list that we made earlier. It was the user list from IMDb and for I decided, Top 100 Movies. We decided to say, fuck that list. Yeah. We're getting a new list. And we are going to use the, yeah. according to Maxwell's yes. recommendation. Yeah, this is the American Film Institute AFI. You may have heard of it if you've ever heard of movies. Not um, the emo band. No. Uh, yeah, no. Right now. This it's is murder. the movies. Mm, uh, so this is their 100 greatest American films. That's important of all time. Um, and it's a very uh, similar list, kind of, minus obviously the ordering. I think it got tightened up a little. Yeah, definitely. So this is 100 films. We just went through them, and we have seen both, meaning both of us have seen these movies. We've seen 18 of them, which is not great, There's, but it's all right. Uh, if we're going individually, I've seen a few more than you. And vice versa. So I think we've probably seen closer to like 35, I would imagine. Um, but what's going to happen after Oscar season, I think, is we're going to dedicate our flick pick section every week to working our way through this list from 100 down to one. Yeah. Okay. So that'll be fun. Yeah. When we have time and it's convenient, yeah. you know what I mean? It's not always convenient, but. Yeah. What's interesting is the span of years this is. Is like the earliest one I saw is like 1940s. No, there's one from the 30s. Duck Soup. Snow White, maybe. Duck Soup was 1933. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Look, that. Man. yeah, yeah. I got a memory like a steel fucking trap. <laughs> you have eyes like a trap. Uh, <laughs> I don't know so, what that means. You know, I don't either. Snow White's 37. Okay. You know, it's the first uh, Disney Channel. Disney Channel, Disney, uh, Disney film, animated Disney film, was Snow White. No kidding. Nineteen thirty-seven. Wasn't no, there was one. Uh, no, that was it. I'm pretty sure. No, it was Mickey Mouse on the boat. Oh, okay, but that wasn't. It was like Steamboat. Film. Yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, Steamboat Willie. I don't know if that's that, what it was. I'm not sure. But that was just a cartoon. There were cartoons, but the first full-length film that was animated by Disney was Snow White. That's cool, man. Fun to know. All right, we'll talk about that when we get to uh, spoiler alert for this list number thirty-four. Which oh, I don't know if that's correct, but okay. I don't know. It was a landmark, I guess, yeah. for animation. Yeah. Or, I don't know. We'll get into it when we get into it. Yeah. So that's in the list with the hot and picks, the yeah. hot flick picks. Hot flick picks. Yeah. Um, so let's get into uh, our second beer, shall we? I brought this one. You did. It is a coffee. It's actually called Coffee Oatmeal Stout. It's a coffee oatmeal stout. What? From Jack Rabbit Brewing Co. out of West Sacramento, California. I've never heard of them. I think, Johnny, you may have tried another beer of theirs. We'll get into that in a minute. Yes. Um, it's a 5.5% stout. I got it for $3.99 at Spike's Bottle Shop here in Chico. There's only 80 ratings for it altogether on Untapped. But what up, Untapped? There's about to be 81. Um, the average for that is 3.62. So expecting a pretty middle-of-the-road, leaning-towards-good beer here. Um, for me, oatmeal stouts can be a little bit sweet, so I'm looking forward to the addition of coffee from uh, Temple Coffee, actually, also out of Sacramento, to maybe balance out some of that sweetness and give me a little bit more of the espresso richness and maybe bitterness that I would want from a stout anyways. It says mulish coffee. I believe that is their variant. I believe it's a Temple temple uh, oh, okay. roast. Interesting. Do you know what the advantages of an oatmeal stout versus a regular stout are? Like why they put the oatmeal in oh, there? Oh, definitely I do. But you can clean up my mess after I'm done talking, I'm sure. Uh, oatmeal definitely, when you add it, is gives it a little bit uh, fuller mouthfeel. Adds a little bit of creaminess to it. Uh, a lot of fullness. That's what I would say the oatmealness is. That is 100% accurate. Yeah. Zero cleanup required. Okay, great. 
Um, so this is, I mean, clean up on aisle somewhere else. Yeah, this is a, it's a good looking beer. They've got a little, uh, a latte, perhaps a cappuccino on the, on the front with a little Rosetta, uh, on the, uh, on the, is that what those things it? are called when yeah. they make the cool little flowers with pretty with sure milk? I can't, I always get Rosetta confused with another word and there's a small chance that stone. I'm, that's what I'm thinking of. Like maybe it is Rosetta stone and I'm just subbing in the wrong word, but I'm pretty sure it's Rosetta. Hmm. It looks either way. It's just fun. I like it when they do the little. Yeah. So it's a, it's latte art essentially on this, on this can. It's a pint can. It's a very clean looking can and I'm, I'm excited to try it. I got to finish um, my tooth and tail in my glass, but I'm going to drink that. And Johnny's going to give you his first impression. Well, I'd like to beer. just say overall, I do enjoy an almond milk latte. Sure. So. Yeah. So hope, I mean, maybe, maybe minus the almond milk, this might still be similar. I do think it's weird that they chose to put a latte on it instead of like coffee. Like it's yeah. not supposed to be a lot like a milk stout, right? Yeah. Which is kind of what you'd expect looking at it. Coffee with milk on it. Right. Exactly. There better not be lactose in there and they didn't say anything. Right. <laughs> you just keel over. Drive into West Hollywood. Where is this? West Sac. Yeah. Not West Hollywood. Whatever. Just drive past them. Depending on if this beer's any good. What do yeah. you think of this? Also, just to clarify, it definitely is a Rosetta Leaf. Okay. You're That's good to everybody. know. Thank you. I've never been curious about that, but now I know. Yeah. I think it's interesting. It's simple. It's... Very coffee, uh, stouty, thin, a little on the watery side. Uh, it's honestly a little underwhelming. I'd say it's okay. I mean, you definitely get a, a heavy coffee presence. Sure. And again, at 5.5%, it's not going to be too, too powerful in terms of mouthfeel or alcohol content, but I'm hoping the flavor will be there. And maybe it's maybe it's not quite as much as you were hoping. No, it's a little bitter and wonky on the on the finish. It doesn't leave coffee me. bitter or like sort of astringent. Yeah, but like and weird. Not, well, astringent and weird like coffee. Well, all so right. it's very bubbly. We should point that out too. At least uh, on my first pour, it's dissipating uh, like a soda pop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's got a weird taste on the finish that I don't really think I like. Okay, um, maybe now's the time to branch into. You mentioned there was another beer of theirs you had. Uh, you had hoped I didn't buy it for the show because you'd already tried it. Yeah. Uh, what was that beer? It was a maple pecan porter. Okay. And it was not good. It was, um, it was okay. And that was obviously, we're saying the same brewery. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, I might look that one up too. Do you think it was just called maple pecan? Yeah. Yeah, just maple pecan porter. And it was it was fine, but kind of same thing. It was underwhelming and it just, it was nothing special. Didn't really feel like much to write home about. Uh, I might make a quick correction. I believe... That one is also an oatmeal stout. Oh, maybe it just drank like a porter. So I injected my own definition. Yeah, I think that's probably fair, though. Um, you tend to see like maple and pecan associated with porters more mm-hmm. often than you do with stouts. Yeah. Um, okay, well, any other flavors jumping out to you on this? Oh, uh, no, just a lot of coffee and a lot of roasted malts and like a weird funkiness on the back end. I'm going to tell you right now what that is. Yeah. Um, and it's going to make total sense. You're going to feel very vindicated and why you don't like it. That is a fruity coffee bean. Mm. Uh, on this side of the can here, it says, beans from Sadamo, Ethiopia. If you've ever heard our show before, I tend to buy Ethiopian coffee beans. I like a really light, fruity cup of coffee, and that's what this tastes like. And it I tastes don't. like a, you hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, it's a, I don't know that I love it in this beer, but it's pretty obvious to me that's what that is. Okay. I, yeah, those are the, the elements in coffee that I gravitate away from. Yeah, here's what I'm getting. I'm getting certainly um, sort of like a chalky chocolatiness up front, um, very light carbonation, pretty light mouthfeel, kind of turns into like a blueberry, almost kind of peach sweetness, and then rounds out with sort of a coffee bitterness at the end. Mm. I think it's very complex, actually. I like this 
a pretty good amount. I don't know that this coffee bean is the best pairing with this stout, but mm. I think I like this. Okay. Yeah, right. I'm into it. I think I'm in. I'm going to have a second drink, well, but I'm into it, this. It makes sense because you're way more into this style of coffee. Like you just went off on it and you sounded like you were talking about coffee. Yeah. I mean, it smells like, it smells like coffee. Mm-hmm. There's, there's almost no beer smell to it. Like I, you could put a cup of coffee next to me and I, I would smell that and I'd be like, it's coffee. I can't smell anything. Right. The, the sickness caveat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can smell, I think maybe, let me try it. Yeah. Um, this is, I think very, very tasty. Yeah, I can smell a little, a little bit. Yeah. It I like- just, man, I just got some new, some new coffee in Reno and I wish I would have, uh, I don't know. I wish I would have made us some, not that we needed it necessarily. I'm talking faster than usual. Calm down, man. But, it's uh, just coffee beer. It's not actual coffee. Right. I feel like it would have been a, a really nice comparison to try the two side by side. Cause this is a very, very fruity stout. Mm. Yeah. I don't like it at all. Okay. The more I drink it, the less I like it. It's a three. So then I would say also then my follow-up question is, do you think it's a bad stout? Or do you think maybe... Uh, <coughs> Be right back. I'm yeah, dying. It's just not uh, not a style that works for you. Like, we've talked about how we don't love Saison's, but we shouldn't hold that against the style just because yeah. we don't enjoy it. No, this is 100% personal preference. Okay. I think it's a fine beer. I just don't like it. Yeah, we've talked about a lot, too. Like, the... Um, the well, we haven't phrased it like this necessarily, but, like, the, the danger of kind of the direction stouts have gone over the past couple of years, like the the bigger, more crazy stouts, the more badass and barrel age your stout can be, the better. Mm-hmm. And then you have a stout that is a little bit more modest, like this one or like Sierra Nevada West Coast Stout or any number of other stouts that are not trying to be huge. Mm-hmm. And by some subconscious measurement, they suffer from sort of the climate that stouts are in. Yeah, And I'm doing my best not to rate this according to that because I – I think I would like a little bit more body to this. Yeah. But I don't think it should should have to justify itself to those standards. No, because the standards are different because it's almost a different style of beer. At yes, this it's point, still yeah. a stout, yeah. but it's not the same thing. It's like if we compare to a West Coast to an East Coast IPA, they're just not they're not they're different. Like they're not the same or whatever. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. They're not different. Wait. <laughs> they are so different. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's gotcha. like a different thing, man. So I mean, as a, you know, just a regular old non-barrel-aged stout, it's fine. Yeah, I think I think it's a well-made stout. I think that the flavor is not something that everybody's going to love. Mm-hmm. It's very fruity. Um, I would say almost probably the first thing that you get is uh, a tartness from tart. from like a from a berry. It's like a berry kind of tartness to it. Tart, tartan. Yeah, um, but I, I like it a lot. I think it's it's very worthwhile, and I understand why you don't. Nope. Um, you're still going to stick with a three for you. Yep. Okay, I'm going to write that down. That's with the asterisk of it being my personal preference. I'm going to go ahead and give this a, uh, man, I think that's pretty good. I'm yeah. going to give this an eight. Get it, son. Yeah, this is a good beer. I'm into this. Oh, this beer is polarizing. Yeah. This is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, exactly what we said about Green Book. So oh, wow. you hate this beer as much as I hate a Green Book. Whoa. Again, go listen to that conversation and you will know how much he does not like this beer. <laughs> uh, and I like it as much as you did. Yeah, man. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Any more thoughts on this beer? Should we move on? Let's move on. I'm okay. done with it. That was Coffee Oatmeal Stout from Jackrabbit Brewing out of West Sac. We got it for about four bucks here in Chico. Find it wherever you are. If you need it, we'll get it to you. If you don't live in the area, just hit us up on all of our social medias. I'm doing a lot this episode. But Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Fresh Hop Cinema. We'd love to hear from you, et cetera, et cetera. Hot and bothered? Yeah. Okay. Uh, welcome to the portion of the show where we talk about what's got us hot and or bothered this week. I only have one, so I'm going to go first. My friend Sophie hit us up on our Twitter. She said, 
guys, essentially, I'm paraphrasing, you guys have missed out on a huge, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, let's just say genre of movies and, and things in general, and that's anime. And she's wondering why we haven't covered a movie like DBZ, Dragon Ball Z, for any of you that are not uh, privy to that. Mm-hmm. There's a film come uh, that is out called Brawly. Broly? I think it's Brawly. I'm pretty sure. Mm. Um, I haven't seen it. Don't know where to see it. Um, but apparently, according to Sophie, and if this is wrong, you guys can get at her because I'm going to put her on blast real quick. Uh, on Twitter, you can get her to her uh, at the underscore Sophinator, S-O-P-H-I-N-A-T-O-R. Um, and I believe she said it's the third most popular anime film in America. So, Sophie, thanks for checking in. I'm going to watch that film. I'm going to find it. I'm going to watch it. And then next week on the show during hot and bothered, I'm going to give you my feedback and probably live tweet you anyways. Uh, so I wanted to shout that out. That's something I'm excited to branch into a new, new genre of film that I've previously not really experienced too much. Well, it's always exciting to hear from people and yeah. you know, get recommendations that stuff that you're passionate about. Cause it's always fun to, to delve into things that you don't know much about that people are passionate about. Agreed. Learn new things, try some new stuff. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, that said, Sophie, if you're listening now, um, save me a little bit of research. Let me know where I can watch that. It would be very, very helpful. Or you could just Google it. That's true. It's not that hard. I just, I like getting people engaged. You know what I mean? That's true. Maybe say, Hey, if you have that on DVD, Oh, that's true. I, will yeah. borrow I don't it. think it's on DVD. It's like in theaters now. You don't even know. You Look, don't even man, know where to watch it. it. Quote, it's the third place for the top anime movie in the U- in US theaters. Like mm, I would that assume. That could mean all time. Mm, that could mean shit, that it, could mean all time. Yeah, bro. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. You don't know. <laughs> what year did this even come out? Well, I mean You uh, don't know that either. Fine. Listen, my friend. You get into hot and bothered. I'm gonna Google that shit because I wanna know. I'm a little bothered right now. <laughs> That's your bother this week, is <laughs> you probably. Yeah, sure. Max. Uh, uh no. Yeah. Um, so my hot this week uh is complex. Are you gonna start with hot and not go bothered? Because you know I hate when you end on negative. It's, it really brings me down. I have a different take on on bothered this week, so you just be quiet and let <laughs> me do my thing, okay. bro. It's gonna surprise you. Okay, deal. Um, so yeah, I went on a bit of a rabbit hole thing recently, and actually sent you a link to one of the things that led me down this rabbit hole a while back. I was, I got so it's a, it is a rabbit hole. I'm gonna give you the brief explanation of how it happened. I'm sorry about this. Would you say it's a Jack rabbit hole. Oh, no, it tastes better. Damn, bro. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So I am a fan of run the jewels. They are a rap duo, uh, killer Mike and LP. And I saw on their Instagram feed that LP had made beats and collaborated on this album called music inspired by the film Roma. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. So that that's all original music that's just inspired Got by it. the movie. Like Beck does a song on there. That's so like, cool. It's crazy. It's awesome. So I was listening to that, and I sent you a link because I'd been into it for the last few days. Uh, it's great background music. It's very ethereal. There's some cool stuff. So that's like a little bonus hot. You should listen to that. Yeah. Music inspired by the film Roma. Um, but when I was listening to that, there was a song on there by this artist called Billie Eilish. Can you spell that? B-I-L-L-I-E-E-I-L-I-S-H. Okay. Billie Eilish. Weird last name. And she's a 15, 16-year-old girl and is like one of the up-and-coming like pop stars. But it's really different, and I am absolutely in love with her music now. It's it's something that I wasn't anticipating being into, like finding because 
it's kind of it's pop ish. It's imagine Lana Del Rey meets uh, The Cure meets Portishead. I don't know Portishead, but the rest of it like trip hop, like kind of okay. like beats and like, but not trip, uh, not Portishead in that regard. Just the vibe because very melancholy. Like she's got some fucked up songs. <laughs> sure, like her, she's got a record coming out. Uh, I think in March or May, okay. one of the months okay, coming yeah. up that yeah. starts with M. Yeah. Uh, and like the first song on it's called bury a friend. Oh God. All yeah. right. All right. All right. I'm into it. It's got to adjust my brain and yeah. then cool. So um, do you pack. happen to have a sample of that music? We could. good part oh, is <laughs> like the verse but anyways yeah, yeah i've been like doing a deep dive on that because it's like super like fucked up lyrics and like yeah. she could have been like a goth girl that wrote like metal lyrics right but she's a really amazing singer you didn't really catch any of it in sure. that uh but she has a song called uh when the party's over and it's actually been covered by a lot of bands and it's really like deep and heartfelt and all of a sudden I have a new favorite pop artist. Yeah. So. I don't think that's, I don't think that counts uh, in terms yeah. of like guilt. I, no, no, I'm not guilty about it. I'm just kind of surprised. Yeah. Like, cause I feel like modern day pop is like, or at least especially female pop is like Ariana Grande. Yeah. That's, that's not even close. No, she does have a new record out too though. And I don't like it nearly as much. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Fair. So, but yeah, that's, that's my hot is, is Billie Eilish. Okay. I think she's going to be doing big things. Sure. What is your uh, a little bit different take on Bothered this week? My little different take on Bothered is something that I actually recommended to you. Oh, no. Yep. Uh, okay. It's called Abducted in Plain Sight. Oh, that was last night. Or like yeah. the day before. I can't remember. Uh-huh. It's the fucking craziest documentary I've ever seen right. in my life. And it is my Bothered because it literally bothered me to watch it. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Well, tell me more. Uh, it's... I can't give away, tell you too much without giving away some plot. It involves a kidnapping uh, and a lot of darkness and really just abducted in plain sight is kind of a real, it's a very good teaser spoiler to what you're going to see happen. It's a kind of a family friend just takes a little girl and they're like, they all know each other and they like basically let her go with him. Don't like that. Oh, it's so dark, dude. Um, and it is really like bothersome to watch because it's not a good time. It's, it's a fucked up documentary, but it's also very graphic and very right. um, descriptive about um, some things that are pretty unsettling as far as, um, you know, sexual acts towards children. Right. So I guess it'd probably be fair to ask, like, I, I haven't seen this, but probably not something you should watch with your children. I mean, honestly, it's, it's nothing graphic visually. It's just some very, uh, discourse, you know, the discourse yeah. was very, very like shocking and kind of hard to listen to. Yeah. It sucks. Uh, so it was an amazing story and it's worth watching and it's, it's really intense, 
but it is bothersome to watch. So I don't know. Depending on how old your kids are, you can right. maybe watch okay. it with them. Where, where, do, where can you find that? This is Netflix you? original. Got it. Yeah. So that is my pick for Bothered. <laughs> yeah. And that's called Abducted in Plain Sight. It was directed mm-hmm. by Sky Borgman, uh, which is one, one of the uh, relatives of somebody who acts in it. But it's mostly, um, yeah, about the, uh, the, the, the Broberg. What did I say? Nope. They're just very similar names. The Broberg family is those who have been affected by this. And the director is Sky Borgman. Mm. The odds of that. Just very similar names. Anyways. Okay. It was crazy. You should check it out. I don't know that I want that in my life. Yeah. It's worth watching because it's like, it's in the zeitgeist and it is a crazy story and it has a not unhappy ending. That's good. So okay. maybe that's a teaser. Sure. There's, there's interviews with the girl that was kidnapped. Oh, great. Throughout the whole movie. I'm saying it like, yeah, no, no, there's I was no like, damage she has. No, She's we, fine. But we were watching it and I'm like, well, that's awesome. Yeah. Like at least yeah. we know she didn't like get kidnapped and murdered. Like, yeah, she's recounting this crazy story and it's crazy. Yeah. I'm talking like mental manipulation and aliens and actual aliens. No, but like the dude had her convinced right. that like, Oh, it was this whole thing. Like, I remember, this doesn't matter at all. I'm already started my sentence though. Yeah. I had a dream about aliens. Whoa. Uh, I don't know when it was. It was like not last night, but like within the past couple of weeks, I was like trying to get abducted. I wasn't trying to. They were trying to abduct me. Okay. Uh, and I think they succeeded and I had to fight. I'm just now remembering this. This is awesome. Are you an alien now? I don't think so. I don't know. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Anyways, no, but okay. Point taken. Uh, I will check that out if mm. I have a, a an interest in the macabre anytime soon. Yeah, it's an inter- Yeah, it's crazy. Speaking of macabre, have you looked into the film Suspiria much? It's a it's a remake of a film from the I want to say seventies, maybe eighties. It's a horror movie. I think it'd be right up your alley. Um, I want to say I think I've seen a trailer for it, but I can't remember. I'm sure you've seen a trailer. It's um, Dakota Johnson is in it, and um, some other folks. I can't quite remember. I never saw the original, and I would have sworn that you had seen it. Um, but it's a uh, this very um, very int- oh sort of- yes I have looked up trailers for this okay yeah like it's a I, I man I want to watch it because one of my favorite movie podcasts film spotting was talking about um, the use of color in the original and after seeing Beale Street I like I'm very acutely aware of like intense color usage and I want to watch the original and by proxy the new one um, Tilda Swinton's in it it's, it's supposed to be pretty crazy yeah I want to watch that I remember pulling up previews for it. Yeah, I was going to check it out online. You can rent it on Amazon, I think, um, but it's not that available says that, necessarily. That says this movie is not a remake. Uh, okay, so it's not a shot for shot. Like, it's not. I don't think it's the same storyline, but there oh. was an original, if I'm not Wait, mistaken. Is that the poster right there? This guy here? Uh, I think that's the the current one, but oh. let me see. Um, again, you guys don't know what we're talking about, but we're Googling some images about uh, this film. I'm going to Google the original real fast to get the date on it. I wonder where that movie is available to watch. You just have to rent it right now. I think it's out in theaters in some places, so it's uh, not the easiest to find. It was a 77, 1977 film. Okay. Um, and and if I'm not mistaken, the original also is this girl that goes to attend ballet school. Okay. Um, but there's like witch stuff and magic and some pretty, pretty uh, from what I understand, kind of like gory stuff. You are correct. That sounds like it'd be right up my alley. A little, little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I think like the artistic use of um, particularly violence in You're, these types of movies. Are, are you finding artsy horror films for me to watch? I mean, a little. Like that's I heard about it. Like, that that's what Johnny would be into. Like that it. one movie where the woman um, goes, I think she goes into hell or like she, her. Drag her, me to hell? Yeah. Well, no. 
I think her um, her mind goes to hell. Maybe there's a scene in the trailer where the horse it's older. You're talking about the cell. Uh, maybe with yeah. Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the horse mind. gets like slashed and yeah. then like separates it. Yeah, it's like that, but it's not probably. I've never seen it, but I've never seen either one. <laughs> so I'm just, just saying the the artistic you- use of gore. <laughs> From what I've heard in this about Suspiria compared to what I saw in the trailer of the cell, okay, seems similar. And I know you like the cell, all right. So whatever, nice. That's where I'm at. I'm gonna have to look into that. Cool. I put it on my letterbox. I, list. I will watch your the weird abduction documentary. You watch Suspiria. All right, let's get weird. Okay, let's return to a wholesome place though. Let's talk about love. Let's talk about good feelings. Let's get back to if Beale Street could talk. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a few spoilers. Um, not many. Not many, because this movie is kind of told from a flashback perspective where we're in the future, kind of learning about all of this from the past. Um, so I don't know if there's actually almost anything that I really need to spoil. No. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about that you liked about this movie or didn't like or anything along those lines? Oh, we do have to talk about the dude's mom. Oh, Because there was a very, very intense argument scene that happened right after Tish right. tells her parents that she's pregnant. They call over... Uh, Fonny's family and his mom, dad, and two sisters come over, and we find out that all the women in his family are awful. Yeah, I mean, and they wrap it up under the guise of like being religious, which also sucks for like the view of religious people. Like, yeah, not everybody who is religious is like that, but particularly these people are like, like way over the top with yeah, out of like the this is out of wedlock. This is a sin. You're the I always knew you would be the destruction of my son. Yeah, those people, shit. those kind of Ugh. people are like the ISIS of whoa, Christianity. Whoa, 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 whoa! What do you mean those people? Like the people that are <laughs> radical like that, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I got you. Yeah, um, the extremists. You know, they're just too much. Yeah, I mean, she's the worst. Um, oh, she's so Fonny's mom, ugh. and she's like constantly like, just, just, just the worst. Like so condescending, blaming everything on. Uh, lust or sin or or like even this baby who is very clearly pointed out by Regina King, uh, Tish's mom, Sharon. Um, like this is your granddaughter you're talking about. Like who cares how it showed up in the world? That's your love it. You even heard in the trailer um, her talking to Tish. She's like, you've trusted love this far, like trust it all the way, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. And it's like these families are so, so diametrically opposed. It's like, oh, it was hard to watch. And it was the worst. They're the worst. Yeah. So that was maybe one of the the more low points of the movie where just, I mean, they, I'm glad that that family wasn't in this movie more. Yeah. It was, the, I think it was the only time we saw them. Minus, yeah. minus Frank, his it was, dad. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you see Frank cause uh, both of the main characters, respective fathers are out there hustling, hitting the streets, stealing from the garment district and selling clothes and doing whatever they can because Throughout this movie, Fani is, in fact, in the middle of a legal battle because he had been framed for a rape. I think that's even too generous. He's not even been framed. He's been accused with, like, basically no evidence. Yeah. Like, um, the cops were real cool to him. Yeah. And I I feel like that was uh, not something uh, they harped on too much in this movie was, like, the the police uh, actual, like, screen time, like, police... um, prejudice but it's clearly a theme that runs throughout and there's one scene where we get to kind of that feels generous we get to we have to watch um kind of the introduction of this cop to our main characters and it's clearly going to be a problem and from that perspective i really did like the direction that this film took in terms of narrative um chronology because mm-hmm. um, if they would have showed us that in the beginning i'm like all right well we know what's going to happen yeah um so getting to that point and like i think that's maybe three quarters into the movie we see that interaction on the street it's like oh, okay 
that makes that makes sense. I didn't like this guy to begin with. I extra don't like him now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he had like the tightest jaw ever. Yeah, he's like really like 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 kind of like smirking and sneering, and his jaw was sinewy. Yeah, like you could see the muscles moving in his yeah. jaw. It was creepy. It's like, yeah. Um, but we didn't really say this earlier. He, so Fonny was accused by this woman, um, to have been raped. Um, and I think this movie does a really good job of not villainizing that woman, mm-hmm. which I think has been sort of a a common thread or could have easily been the road to take out for this. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, well just a crazy woman, like calling rape on this very good guy. And the movie does a good job. And the characters are like, look, like she probably was raped, but it wasn't him. Yeah. And, and like, there's this long history of, of um, particularly black men being falsely accused of rape, usually by, by white women, but uh, oftentimes others. And in this case, this woman fled back to, I think was it Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Um, to get away. And there's a scene where we get to talk to her where um, Tisha's mom goes and like, you can tell she's not just blowing smoke in case anybody thought she was like, she's clearly dealing with some real trauma. Um, and I think it was the, uh, her liaison or whatever. When, when Sharon first, first gets to Puerto Rico, she sits down with him at dinner and he's basically like, look, she's been through enough. Like, don't make her relive this mm-hmm. um, kind of thing. Uh, and clearly like it's bad. And, and first, somehow like Fonny just ended up being on the receiving end of this. And that makes it all the more tragic with how the movie ends with his plea bargain and like raising his kid from prison. And it's just, I, I, there's a lot of, lot of complexities in this, uh, in this situation. And I think this movie handles it very well. Yeah. I would say. And it was, it was really a movie about love. Yeah. And yeah. love for family, love for significant others and how far you'll go to do what you have to do. And, even if that means raising a kid by yourself while your your yeah. man's in prison, it was yeah, it was an amazing movie. There's a really powerful scene where um, Tish sits down with her sister. Uh, I need to separate those words more. Where Tish sits down with her sister, not shits on her sister. Yeah, um, that'd be a different movie. So. Yeah, and they're sitting down for for lunch, I think. And at one point, Tish says, "Like, hey, do you think she was actually raped?" And her sister kind of like stops her in her tracks and is like, "Come on, like." don't joke like i think it's a really nice thing because statistically like women are not making this up yeah more people are assaulted than we decide to give credit to and um i think that's very very uh deftly done in this film it's like you you can have this this figure um in in this case the, the puerto rican woman who is like essentially the source of this problem in insofar as like he's in jail because of her accusation but is not a bad person like mm-hmm. she has her own shit to deal with and this movie doesn't doesn't demonize her in that way, which I think is very very good. There's a lot of nuance to these characters, and they're all fully realized. And I think that's maybe minus the cop who's just a shitty dude. Yeah, yeah, no, but, I agree. It was written know. so well. Yeah. Wrap this up. Okay. I think we're there. Yeah. Uh, so if you see if Beale Street could talk, if you drink the coffee oatmeal stout from Jackrabbit, or you have Tooth and Tail. From uh, from Coronado and uh, Belgian Beaver, you should let us know. Mm-hmm. We're on all the social medias I've been listing today. We're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. You can email us at fhccast at gmail.com. You can find us for movie stuff on Letterboxd or beer stuff on Untapped. Um, and you can find us out and about. You can also find us on Patreon. That's really where the goods go down, everybody. We spend quality time with everybody. We have events, bonus content, other stuff. Also <laughs> other stuff. Uh, and that's patreon.com slash fresh op cinema. You can support our show financially for $1, $1 a week. It's uh for most people like less than the cost of one beer going out. So if you like our show, please consider 
doing that. Also, please consider rating and reviewing us. It's for the children. It's for somebody's children, maybe somewhere. If we have children, maybe some money will be left over for them. I don't know. But you can rate and review us on iTunes, wherever you listen. It really does help other people find our show, uh, which is always fun. Who doesn't love new friends? We sure do. We need more. We <laughs> like friends. That's right. Uh, but until next Monday, I am Max Minardi. And I am Johnny Summers. Thanks so much for listening. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.